0: All my life you have been faithful. All my life you have been so, so good. We are to be people who recognize the goodness, the faithfulness, the character, the works, the hand of God, and who worship Him, who proclaim His goodness, who rejoice in it, who rest in it, and who trust in it. Years ago, we started something here at the church where... I, or whoever was leading worship at that time, would begin a statement, and the congregation would affirm the statement. I would begin by asking a que- question, isn't God good? And the affirmation from the congregation is, God is good indeed. And I think today is a really good day for us to come back and explore why we do that. We will do that as, as we go through the message but to rehearse that so that it is less than not so that it's not just something that we say, but it becomes something that becomes an act of worship. We affirm God is good indeed. So I will ask you this morning: isn't God good? He He is good indeed. He is good indeed. We need to be people that celebrate the continual faithful goodness of God. I hope you had a good Christmas holiday and a good New Year's holiday, good holiday season. We're in January. January the 3rd, and I hope that many of you have already begun your daily Bible reading with us. We're on January the 3rd. Today we're Genesis 5, and so I I would encourage you to pick up with that. There's a guide in the back, and part of what we'll be talking about today is how do we become people of praise. We are preparing for a journey, and there are so many illustrations that, uh, that are found in Scripture and that are modeled in Scripture and, of course, that you see in other sources about life being a journey. You have a beginning point. And you have a destination. And for the believer, the destination is the kingdom of God, the kingdom of heaven. It is heaven. It is when Christ comes and establishes his reign upon the earth, and the kingdoms of the earth become the kingdoms of our God. It is the joy that is set before us. And everything in between those things is the intermediate. It is the journey, if you will, the trip that we are taking. Now, that becomes a little bit more specific to us as a congregation because... In 1889, God planted Pendleton Street Baptist Church, known then as under a different name. The first name of the church was uh, Anderson Street Mission, then West End Mission, then Second Baptist Church, and then Pendleton Street Baptist Church. But planted us there uh, to, uh, to show forth His glory. And since that time, God has moved and God has worked and God has led. And just like in the life of any individual... Just like in the life of any family, there are times when we have been closer to God, times when we have been further away, times when God called us back. But he placed us there, and now we've been worshiping here at the Hilton for which we give great praise and glory to God. And we are anticipating being able to worship back on the West End as we take steps to move back that way. Now, some of you may be aware, some of you may not be aware, but we're working on a building space over there where we can actually gather together for worship that serves as a ministry center. But we know that a building is simply a tool that can be used for the glory of God as the people of God are used by God to accomplish the purpose of God through the power of God. Boy, that was a long statement, wasn't it? (laughs) Did we get lost about halfway through that? Here's the point. Anytime, some of you have built a house or some of you have gone through an extensive remodel on a house and some of you have worked on jobs where you've had the responsibility to be the facilities manager, the plant manager, or you have had to take care of the maintenance and the upgrade of a facility. Anytime you do that, you lay the foundation, the groundwork. You have a picture of what it's going to look like. You engage people who come alongside of you and help you to make decisions about everything from the finish product to the very small steps in between that that make it take place and then you've got all the different aspects of that you've got the contractors who will come in and take care of different parts of that and there's the scheduling and the work and then of course if you work with governments then you have have permits that have to be pulled and you have inspections that have to be ta- that have to ha- be that have to take place that have to take place and have to be signed off on. And there's this progression. And as all of the effort that you would put into that, I've got to tell you, take, we need to put more effort, the most effort, not in preparing any sort of a facility or building, but in preparing our hearts to be the people of God. And we need to be focused on being the congregation that God would have us to be so that we not just arrive at a destination, but we arrive at a destination, ultimately His presence, and in the interim, we're taking the next step under His guidance. Effective, efficient, accomplishing His purpose, empowered by His Holy Spirit, yielded to Him. So, we are preparing for the journey. Are we talking about just preparing to get back to the West End? No. We're talking about preparing for the journey of life, preparing for the journey of being the people of God as we move forward with what God would have us to be. Now, again, as Stephen has already mentioned and as as we have already worshipped in music this morning, we begin by recognizing that we're not God. God is God and that he is our creator, that we belong to him, that he is the boss and we want to be intimately related to Him. I have one major goal in in this message as we begin, but particularly in our focus over the next two weeks. I have a major goal for us as a congregation and that is that we will be more in love with God as a result of our study, as a result of our uniting in prayer, as a result of our obedience and stepping out in faith as a result of our opening the Word of God and reading the same passages of Scripture together at the same time as the Word of God speaks to us and the Spirit of God brings His His Word to life in our life and hearts, that you and I will see more of God as He is, that we will know more of God, that we will love Him more, that our relationship will be deeper and stronger, particularly over the next two months. You guys know that in every relationship you have of periods of growth and then periods of plateau and uh, sometimes it goes the other direction we will hope not but then back to growth and back to plateau I, I'm praying that God will, will mess with you and will mess with me and over these next two weeks he will reveal to us things that we need to know that he will remove from us things that need to be removed he will add to us things that need to be added that he will connect our hearts and minds together as a people as a church sometimes we think about Christianity so much as an individual that we lose the congregational, the corporate aspect of what it means to be the body of Christ and that we will have deeper relationships with each other as a result of us growing in our deeper relationship with God and so we begin with prayer, we have a congregational prayer emphasis, Stephen has mentioned it, I mentioned it last week, you're going to hear it and hear it and hear it we don't want to miss an opportunity to invite you into prayer, this is a prayer guide and this is for five weeks. There are five Sundays in the month of January. And this being the first one, we start with week one. We are using the acronym P-R-A-Y, praise, repentance, and then we're going to get as far as ask. And we're going to ask, at the end of January, we're going to focus on asking for God to work in our congregation. And then beginning in February, we're going to start asking for God to work in the neighborhood in the West End and in your families and friends and your point of contact, but for people who are not part of the kingdom of God and not part of this fellowship. And then why is, of course, yield, and that is where we acknowledge again that God is God and we we want His will to be done preeminently. Uh, The problem with setting out on a journey is sometimes you can get enamored of the journey and forget the purpose for the journey. Sometimes you can get enamored of plans and you can allow plans to leave you away from where God would have us to go and where God would have us to be. And so what we need to do is to make sure that we are unobstructed, I guess maybe the best way to say, unobstructed in our ability to hear, to listen, to follow, to obey, to walk with God. I love Paul. And I love, of course, the ways that he describes the Christian life. And it's almost always peripeteo, or to walk, or to, to go along with, to travel, to move forward with God. And that's where we are. And so, uh, as Stephen has already read our, our passage that we're focusing on together today, Psalm 34, verses 1 through 3, we learn that we're to bless the Lord at all times, that praise is continually to be in our mouth, that that which we brag upon is the Lord. And I love verse 3, O magnify the Lord with me, and let us exalt His name forever. O magnify the Lord with me, and let us exalt His name forever. And that's part of our, our prayer guide, where we start. And so tomorrow, there's another page. And in your quiet time, this is not to supplant whatever devotions or quiet times or daily Bible reading that you're using. This is to go alongside of those. Tomorrow, we're going to praise God together for His greatness. And then we'll move to His faithfulness on Tuesday. And Wednesday, we'll praise Him for His sovereignty. And on Thursday, uh, we will focus on... Let me make sure I don't get them out of order. His provision and praise Him for His provision. And of course, we will praise Him for His wisdom On Friday, So five days this week, we'll be praising God as a congregation, wherever you happen to be during your time with the Lord. And so uh, all of that to say, and I know this sounds a little bit mundane, but folks, there's some really practical aspects to living the Christian life. You understand that, right? The Christian life is to be practically lived. God told the children of Israel not only to build a tabernacle, he gave them measurements and called out people and gave them specific tasks to undertake. You need to get one of these. And you need to check your... They're back there on the table, right back there before you leave. And you need to check your email because we'll be sending you emails. As a matter of fact, occasionally you'll get texts that point you where you can find this online. Like I said before, you're going to have to try to avoid this, not to be exposed to it. Because we want to take away every excuse and give every opportunity for us, you and I. It does a great deal for my heart and my soul for me to think... That as I am reading a passage of Scripture and as I am praying, that you're doing the same thing that I'm doing on the same day that I'm doing it. And our hearts are united seeking God's will. Doesn't that sound exciting to you guys? I can tell. Yeah. It does. And let me tell you something. It will become more and more exciting. Particularly, we start with praise. We start with worship. We start with adoration. And I am taking our text this morning from Psalm 145. If you'll open your Bibles there, if you'll look on the screen, we'll put the text up there. Psalm 145. Uh, my heading in my scripture says, Great is the Lord. This is a song of praise. Psalms is the songbook of Israel. This is a song. Verse 7 in here says that we're to sing praise to the Lord. We just sang together that we will open our mouths and we will sing praises to the Lord with our last breath, with all of our breath. And so uh, this is an important thing to recognize. This is a song that keeps us focused in praising God. Uh, Many of the Psalms have praise in them and have aspects of praise to them. This is the only one that is actually subtitled A Song of Praise of David. And so let's read verses one through nine together. Psalm one forty five, verses one through nine. I will extol you, my God and King, and bless your name forever and ever. Every day I will bless you. Boy we just can't get over this. This is gonna this is a daily activity. Every day I will bless you and praise your name forever and And ever great is the Lord, and greatly to be praised, and His greatness is unsearchable. One generation shall commend your works to another, and shall declare your mighty acts. Oh, on the glorious splendor of your majesty, and on your wondrous works, I will meditate. They shall speak of the might of your awesome deeds, and I will declare your greatness." They shall pour forth the fame of your abundant goodness. Isn't that a great phrase? They shall pour forth the fame of your abundant goodness and shall sing aloud of your righteousness. The Lord is gracious and merciful, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love. The Lord is good to all and His mercy is over all that He has made. Join me in prayer. Father, we again extol your greatness you are good and you are great and you're magnificent and you're wonderful and you're greatly to be praised father as we gather together as your people in this place listening to your words that you pen through david in this song that is scripture that is inspired by god that your holy spirit brings to life in our hearts and lives we ask that you will instruct us we want to know you more and know you better we want to be obedient. That's just kind of entry-level baseline. We, want, we certainly want to obey your command and continual exhortation to praise you. But, Father, we want to just not check something off the list. I pray that you will help us to become people who are fluent in the language of praise, who have attitudes and hearts that are focused upon being a people who worship you, who are in love with you, who lavish affection and adoration upon you i pray father that you will forgive us for the times when we have neglected you when we have neglected to think of you when we have questioned you when we have doubted you when we have not claimed the truth of your word as who who as it reveals who you genuinely are and we supplanted who you are with who we wish you were or who we thought you might be and and we have just left the moorings of truth if you reveal yourself to us And so we've just ignored you, or we've just uh, accredited you with things that are not true. And I pray, Father, that you will clarify in our minds and our hearts today what it means to be a people of praise. And that in so doing, you will change us, that you will transform us, that you will deepen our knowledge and our wisdom and our understanding, that you will help us to fall more in love with you as a result of our time spent together. In your name I pray. Amen. Amen. God is good. He is faithful. He is good to us in all that He does. And we learn from David here what it means to praise God. We often have the exhortation, draw closer to God, seek after God, deepen your walk with Him, grow, develop, learn. As a matter of fact, the purpose of this congregation has been expressed that we... Glorify God by making mature disciples of all nations by, first of all, connecting people with God in a relationship with Him. And then connecting people to grow, and that speaks of our relationships with each other. And then connecting people to serve, and that speaks with our relationship with community. And this connection to God is more than simply a salvation experience. It becomes a way of life, a way of living as we come into relationship with Him and deepen that relationship with Him. And so as we begin this morning looking at this psalm as our guideline, we'll start with just simply what does it mean to praise God? What does it mean to worship Him? Worship, of course, you hear it in the word. It's worth, Skype. It means to um, show, identify, value the worth of one, to bow the knee before one, to lavish affection upon one. Praise is the expression of our voices and hands and expressing the To God, His worth and His value. Uh, Just uh, three words that will kind of help you understand the scope of what we're talking about now. First of all, it's assessing. You just look around and you see the goodness of God. It is to see it and recognize it, to assess it. And then to acknowledge it. It's to affirm His worth in your own mind and in your own hearts and in your own attitudes. And then it's to ascribe it. It is to say it, to declare it back to Him and to declare it before others expressing his worth to him and before others. Now notice, there's nothing about feelings in this. Sometimes when we think about worship or when we think about a praise time, we think about the, the um, uh, exciting, uh, sometimes soft and gentle, intimate times with God, sometimes the exciting corporate times with God, and we associate emotions with worship. And I want you to understand that that's not part of this text emotions follow. Sometimes we say, I won't praise because I don't feel like praising, or I won't worship because I don't feel like worshiping. This does not feel like a worship service to me. (laughs) You ever heard that? This just didn't feel like a worship service to me. And part of the problem is, you didn't bring worship with you. The issue is you're waiting to feel before you obey. And the answer is, you obey, and then, Lord willing, the feelings will follow. Obedience always begins first. Claiming what is true dispels what is false it points it out so you can discard it all right it dispels what is false but it also brings with it those accompanying attitudes and those accompanying emotions that should accompany it rather than waiting to be led by feelings feelings follow always remember that feelings always follow but this is an act an action a decision a commitment that we make When we assess and we see the worth of God, we acknowledge and affirm it in our mind and our heart, and we ascribe it back to God and in the presence of others. And as we do that, we begin to recognize that it's our hearts that are changed and our perspectives that are changed. This psalm is a... uh, uh, what is the phrase? Uh, This psalm begins with alphabet, gemel, dalet, and it goes through the Hebrew alphabet, every verse... 22 letters of the Hebrew alphabet, 21 verses in this chapter, but they're all there, all right, all all the letters of the alphabet. And it begins, and it's a beautiful song the way it's written in its original language. Um, It is a a, a focal point, I think. Uh, Most commentators believe that this was written toward the end of David's life. King David's life. And as a heart of praise, he had experienced God so much and known God so much, which made him uniquely equipped to teach us how to praise. And so we'll begin, first of all, with the first point on your outline. And this will go pretty quick. Don't be be too anxious, but this will go pretty quick. But I want us to focus on this. The first thing is that we need to learn to praise as a way of life. Looking at verses 1 through 3 again. I will extol you, my God. Now, how many times did you use the word extol this week? In your normal conversation. It's, it's not part of our normal vocabulary. And so let's, let's kind of grasp the meaning here. The Hebrew word is room. And it means to lift up, to exalt, to pick up, or to raise. And the idea that's conveyed in extolling God is I will start here, but I will build on that with higher words and in exalted words and better vocabulary and even more. And it is a process of continually praising and recognizing to a greater and greater extent the worth of God of our praise. Even the expressions that we use, the words are to become more superlative increasingly. We're to have our words and attitude match the majestic nature of God as we see more clearly the majestic nature of God. I will extol you. This is an increasing way. My God and my King. And I will bless. The Hebrew word for bless is Barak. And you guys are familiar with that. It means really in some ways to concentrate, to set apart. It's used primarily two ways in the Old Testament. You've got... The blessing that you give to an individual, like Jesse blessing his sons, or uh, like, uh, uh, well, multiple examples throughout the Old Testament where blessing was spoken. May your days be, I started saying say, merry and bright. Boy, I got Christmas stuck on my mind. <laughs> Am I the only one who went there? <laughs> yeah. Uh, may, may your flocks increase. Uh, may, may, may your family be strengthened. It is a blessing often given from a parent to a child, father to a son. Uh, it is a blessing that a king can speak upon a nation or that a nation can speak upon a king. But we don't add anything to God. God is perfect. He is complete. He is whole. He is lacking nothing and there's nothing that we can speak. So what do we do when we bless God? We affirm The reality that is already there with our blessing. We bless His name. His name is exalted and perfect. We bless His justice and His purity and His holiness and the immenseness of His love that we see continually. And so uh, it is affirming His goodness. We keep going, I will bless your name forever and ever. Every day I will bless you. I love that. Every day I will bless you. And I will praise your name forever. The word praise, of course, you guys will be familiar with. It's the word hallel. It's the word that we get hallelujah from. And hallel means to basically shine a spotlight on, to shine on, to focus attention upon. Hallelujah means to shine a light, y'all. Hallelujah. On Yah, Yahweh, on God himself. And it is exalting God Together, There's a corporate aspect of this, but it means to expose, to declare, to shine a light on the greatness of God. The more we praise Him, the more we shine a light on His greatness. I do want you to note really quick that in all of the praising, it is not God that changes. You understand that, right? It is in me. I grow. I get to see more of who God is. I have some sort of aspect of, of, this is me speaking to God, I have some sort of aspect or understanding, however limited it may be, of who the Father is, but as I begin to study His Word and as I begin to spend time in His presence, I begin to see more clearly who He is, and He changes my heart. Yes, God takes pleasure in worship. Yes, God calls us to worship Him, but we are transformed by an increasing by increasing our awareness, the assessment and acknowledging, and by ascribing the saying back to God how great He is. And we pray for those things, like we praise with those things, like Paul prayed for the Ephesians when he said that I pray that we will all know the breadth and height and depth and length of God's love. That God, part of our prayer, part of what happens to us, is we begin. This is we begin to comprehend the incomprehensible. We begin to search out the inscrutable. We begin to get glimpses deeper and more of the reality of the infinite worth and value of God. God as a per- person, God does take joy in the praise of his of his people. And so we see that it is uh, assessing, seeing, it is affirming, acknowledging in my own heart. We see that it is ascribing and speaking. We see that it is extolling, continually progressing, blessing affirming that which is good in our own hearts and lives and of course praising, hallel, shining a light on the goodness of God. And as we do so, it is us who experiences the goodness here that god it it is us that experiences the light being focused upon god here's a part of what people struggle with i have struggled with uh, many of you have struggled with i'm aware and that is what if you come off a year like 2020 and you just don't feel like there's much to praise god for what if you or a family member got the covid and it ended up being terminal and they died What if because of restrictions that were placed upon you or placed upon your work, you lost income? You were either laid off, your business closed. There are businesses in Greenville, uh, restaurants, entertainment businesses and others who have suffered significantly laid off. I was talking to one of the guys here this morning. He said for the first time in six years, he spent New Year's Day at home with his family because the big event that normally takes place on year had to be canceled. And he couldn't do it. And So less hours, more time with family. He counted that a win. I think he's got the right perspective. But, the, but the, it, there are impacts that are taking place. Uh, what if it's not related to COVID? What if it's not related to the politics of the day? What if it's just related to the struggles that we normally face in life? I, I don't want to praise God because I, don't, I just don't feel like God's doing that much. I don't feel like he's answering my list. He certainly not answer it in the way that I asked. And I don't know how many of you are intercessory prayers. I hope that you all are. have got some family members that are struggling physically. They have health issues, undergoing some treatments, uh, preparing to undergo some fairly serious treatments. And, of course, my first prayer request is, Lord, wouldn't, wouldn't your name be magnified and glorified if you just came in and they were healed just like that? Because that's what I want. I'm confident that's what they want. Surely that would be a way that you could glorify and magnify your name in this situation. And God sometimes, by the way, answers that and says yes. And he does that. And where there was a test one time that said one thing, you go back for the next time and there's a test and it's clear. And the doctor said, we must have messed up the first time. And the answer is they didn't mess up the first time. God acted in the interim. And we praise God for that. But there are other times when... The test comes back the first time, and then it comes back the second time, and the third time, and sometimes it's worse. Is God still worthy of our praise? Sometimes economically, rather than us going up and having some sort of certainty and a good plan, economics go down, or they get uncertain, and we don't know. Is God still worthy of our praise? You understand that we don't praise God for His good works because we deserve them. We praise God because He is faithfully good and consistently good, even though His wisdom may be inscrutable to us or unsearchable to us. We set our eyes upon God, and all of a sudden, the perspective that we have here on earth changes. You guys remember turn your eyes upon Jesus, the song? Look full in His wonderful face, and, and then what? What happens next? What happens to the things of earth? They grow strangely dim. I will tell you, sometimes they don't grow strangely dim. They just get put in the right perspective. All of a sudden you see that my life is not about this thing or that thing. That my life no longer belongs to me. It belongs to God. And God is faithful. And my future, my eternal future, is absolutely secure and safe. And I'm on this interim journey from here to there. And I want God to be glorified in the here and in the now. And He's worthy. He's worthy. And so we praise Him as a way of life. And and by the way, at this point, I'm talking about talking to Him. I'm talking about talking to Him. Um, I could tell you that I have a wonderful wife. As a matter of fact, I will. I have a wonderful wife. She is a gracious gift to me. I think she's great. Matter of fact, I can do more than that. I know she's great. She's done so many good things and kind things uh, that she does to me and that she does for me and that she has done for our family. I could spend hours telling you of the sacrifices that she made. But I took her away from her home uh, where she was raised and from her parents and moved her 15 hour drive away to a different place. that had a different language and a different culture. I, uh, and, and she came along uncomplainingly and willingly and, and, and graciously. I, I, th- there is so much that I could tell you about from the day we met until yesterday. I'm with, I don't know. I don't mean to put her up. She's like, what, what are you going to say? She's looking at me. But last night I was in the study working on some equipment. She had prepared dinner. And she brought it into the study. So she cooked food, brought it to where I was, brought the drink and the meal. I mean, I didn't have to go get my food or anything, it, it, everything was completely provided for me. And then she made the funny little comment as she was leaving your next, life pro- next wife probably won't be this sweet. Don't expect that from them. Well, there's not going to be a next wife. Just put, we'll go ahead and settle that issue. But I can tell you about her a good bit. But the difference that it makes really for me and the difference that it makes for her and the difference that it makes in our relationship is not when I tell you, but when I tell her. When I look at her and say, thank you. For dinner, Did I tell you thank you for dinner? Thank you for dinner. And thank you for this. And thank you for that. And this is great. And this is so kind. You didn't have to do this. And you understand the difference that it makes in my attitude toward her? Now, granted, it'll make a it difference in her attitude toward me. God already has the correct attitude, perfect attitude toward us. But you understand what it does when we speak to one and we give acknowledged truth Praise, worship, love, adoration. But it is important also to speak to others or to speak in the presence of others. We tell others how great God is. That's the second point on your outline. Verses 4 through 6, and I'm going to change that and go 4 through 7. Verses 4 through 7, we see the impact that it has on the life of others when we praise God publicly. One generation shall commend your works to another and shall declare your mighty acts. On the glorious splendor of your majesty and on your wondrous works, I will meditate. They shall speak, then they, those who I've been, 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 been praising in front of, they shall speak of the might of your awesome deeds. And I will declare your greatness and they shall pour forth the fame of your abundant goodness, and shall sing aloud of your righteousness. Listen, it is one thing for me to have a personal, private, praise life. It is one thing for me to be able to get into the presence of God and say, Father, today I just acknowledge that you're great. And I began at creation, and we just read creation. I mean, just Friday, we were reading about how God spoke all things into being. We saw the perfection of God and the graciousness of God, even when He executed justice against Adam and Eve and the fall. And now we're living from this generous Genesis 3 passage. And we see the willfulness of man. I see my own self there. And then we see the the patience and long-suffering of God as displayed in Scripture. And again and again, all of this comes to mind and i have this personal relationship with god that is more than that as a believer i am to not be private and have this intimate relationship with god that does not flow out into the presence of others as a matter of fact we are to speak of the goodness of god before people who don't know it and don't believe it before people who need to be instructed in it We speak in the presence. It's one of the things that we do. We sang this morning, and I appreciate so much Tanner being here leading us in in worship this morning. And, of course, Jill and the others uh, on other Sundays. And As we come together and we take the Word of God and the love of God that, that we are to have, and we express it to Him in song, we worship corporately. We speak goodness to Him. And all of this, by the way, starts at home. I love where he starts. One generation shall commend your works to another. You ought to be teaching your kids how to praise God. Which means you ought to be praising God because they're going to do what you do. They're going to see you. They're going to emulate you. They're going to copy you. They're going to mimic you and the person that you are, whether you're a person of praise or a person of complaint. Whether you're a person of thanksgiving or a person that grumbles. Whether you are a person who rejoices and has peace in the midst of struggle or a person who panics and loses it, you have an impact upon those who live closest to you, particularly your children. And that's why Deuteronomy 6 is so important for us. That we praise God, that we acknowledge God, that we instruct people in the words that God has instructed us in the morning when we get up and as we go through our day and in the evening as we lay down. And so we must become... People of praise, and we must praise in front of others, teaching others. And so let's get to it just a moment. How do we praise God? And how do we praise God before others? And one of the things is that we praise the things that He has done. One generation shall commend your works to another. We praise God for His goodness to us. The, the, what we see, by the way, what He's done in my life, but also as we're reading Scripture, we can praise God. You should be praising God. I'm getting tongue-tied here. I don't mean to. We should praise God for His deliverance of Noah. Amen. Wouldn't me? That was well before my time. It is part of God's character and part of His ongoing work throughout history. We should praise God for Adam and Eve and how God interacted with them. We should praise God when He delivered the children of Israel out of Egypt. We should praise God for the miracle at the Red Sea and the miracle at the Jordan River. We should praise God as Gilgal was established and then as the conquering took place. We should praise God as David was enthroned and then Solomon and even Rehoboam. We can praise God for His protection and for his re-establishment of Israel after the captivity. We, we just celebrated Christmas. We should praise God for the incarnation of Christ and the culmination, the mystery revealed in the person of Christ. We should praise God for Peter preaching at Pentecost and for Paul on his missionary journey and for James in Jerusalem and for timothy at ephesus and for titus at crete we should praise god for what he has done in and through those people and then but i won't be long till you remember i remember how god saved me and how god moved in me and how god's provided this for me and how god has worked in me but you rehearse those things for your own personal life and before others and so probably one of the easiest ways to start becoming a person of habitual praise is to count your blessings Name them one by one. Count your blessings. See what God has done. Count your blessings. Count your many blessings. And identify, that's what Psalm 103 says. I will forget none of your benefits. And so we thank God for what he has done. And when we do that in front of people, we see that it has an influence on your life, on their lives. So verse seven, of course, says, They shall pour forth the frame, the fame of your abundant goodness, and shall sing aloud of your righteousness. And some of you say, Well, praising God's just singing the same song over and over. Or praising God's just saying the same words over and over. And I will tell you that Yes, there is repetition involved, but not vain repetition. It is a re-emphasis and a deepening. And you can take one characteristic of God and begin to explore it. I pray, Paul says, and we say, that you will know the depth and the breadth and the width, length, and the height of the love. Of God I pray that you will know more and more and more of the expressions of the love of God and that you will praise those back to him sometimes people say well you know I just say the same things over and over again God I praise you God I thank you God you are so good God you're great God you're wonderful I'm running out of words to say can I tell you something open your Bible open your Bible you don't know what to say Say what David said. Say what Solomon has to say. Go back to Exodus 14 and look at the children of Israel after they've been delivered across the Red Sea. And say, I'm not sure what words to say, but here are your words. Here are words that they said, that they recorded, that you have reserved for me. And Father, this is the song of my heart. And to the extent that it's not, make it the song of my heart. Go to the Apostle Paul. And look at the epistles that he wrote. And the doctrinal things that he wrote. You'll be like Him because what will happen is you'll focus on the goodness of God and you'll focus upon God's plan and His mystery revealed in Christ and all of a sudden you'll get to Romans chapter 11 you'll say, oh, how vast is the wisdom and knowledge of God. How unsearchable are your ways, oh Lord, so beyond finding out. We grow in the process, You get to do that this week. Tomorrow we pray together and we thank God for His greatness. How great is the Lord? Well, I want you to do what the psalmist says he does here. I will meditate on your words and your works. I will think through that. What does it mean that God is great? What has been the expression of God's greatness as revealed in Scripture? What has been your experience with the greatness of God? And ask Him, because some of us need to be informed. So many times I say, God, I want to praise you for this, but I need to understand it more fully. And so while you're sitting there in your prayer time, say, God, I praise you for your greatness. And all I know to say right now is that you're great. Will you help me to understand a little bit more of what it means? That you're great, that you're vast, that you're infinite, that you're beyond God. Knowledge and understanding completely I just want i don't want to know things i shouldn't know i don't want to think, know things i can't know I want to know the things i'm supposed to know today that I can f- affirm about you, and you take one aspect yeah day day two, I think is the sovereignty of God God, I believe that you're sovereign, I just don 't always like it. sometimes I wish it was me that was sovereign, and yet. I know that because of your wisdom and your might, wisdom day five, because I know of your wisdom and because of of your omnipotence and your omniscience, you know the, the, the end from the beginning that your sovereignty is perfect. And I praise you for all of the prayers that I prayed that you didn't answer, and it was the right answer. And I praise you when you overruled and ruled and reigned, and named these times to Him, and you praise Him. But not only do we praise God for His works, we praise God for who He is. And I need to end this message. I told you it wasn't going to be that long. Sorry, I'm getting carried away. But closing out this passage, we'll pick up in verse 7, and we'll go through verse 9, closing out this portion of this passage. We'll pick up actually in verse 8. Just read those last two verses, verses 8 and 9. The Lord is gracious and merciful, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love. The Lord is good to all, and His mercy is over all that He has made. Wow. Did you hear that? The Lord is gracious and merciful. If you got nothing else to praise God for, that's enough, isn't it? Do you know what His grace is? The grace of God is He gives you that which you do not deserve. He gives you forgiveness. He gives you life. He gives you His life, new life. He gives you forgiveness and cleansing and restoration. He gives you an eternity in His presence, in perfection. The grace of God. And He's merciful. There'd be no grace if it weren't for mercy. Mercy is simply the foundation. Mercy is not giving you what you do deserve. And so at the very least, we need to be continually praising God for the fact of of salvation. For the fact that God became man, born of a virgin, and lived without sin. Qualifying Him as a man to take the place of sinful men. Fully God, fully man, who went to the cross to take away our fear of death. To take away the penalty for our sin. To bear the wrath, just wrath, the punishment of Almighty God against all sin, your sin. But now God commended His love toward us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. And you need to reflect upon the grace of God. In salvation in your life and you need to talk about it (laughs) you need to talk about it not only to god you need to talk about it before others sometimes we just need to thank god in what you get in what you got you go back to your experience with grace and you remember just take ephesians chapter two just one one chapter Matter of fact, just take the first 13 verses. Well, no, just take the whole chapter (laughs) of Ephesians chapter 2. No, Ephesians chapter 1. Where you are blessed, you're chosen, you're adopted, you're forgiven, you're redeemed. The light has shone upon you, the mystery has been revealed to you. You are an inheritor of God. You have now become one who has placed hope in Christ. Thus you have hope in Christ. You have been sealed by His Holy Spirit. And if you go on into chapter two, you have been brought from death to life. You have been called to good works. He has before ordained that you should walk in them. You are now part of something that you've never been before, part of something that never had been before. Before there were Jew and Gentile, and now there is Christian. There are that prophet. That that, that nation, that holy nation, citizenship that we become a part of as the family of God. uh, Just don't tell me that you're going to run out of things to praise God for. Just don't do it. You can't. You can't. There's too much that we need to rehearse and that we need to practice and that we need to ascribe to God of His character. Of who He is and how He works in us and through Him. So, we start January 2021 with our heads and our hearts right where they should be. Before the throne room of God. Praising Him and worshiping Him and thanking Him for who He is you got questions. You have questions. We have prepared for you questions that you can use in your home group and in your own personal application of this. But if you do nothing else, I'm, I'm telling you, <laughs> you, I'll go ahead and apologize now that you're going to get tired of this. I, I may be calling you on the phone tomorrow to see how your prayer time went. I may not. But don't be surprised if I do. If I could come to your house and make you spend ten minutes praising God for His greatness, I would. Not so that we can have some sort of program or so that we can have some sort of plan, but because do you know what a difference it will make in your day? When you acknowledge your Creator, your Savior, the God who lives within you, who saved you, has sealed you, is great and vast and marvelous, it'll keep you close to Him. Father, today we praise You, we exalt You, we glorify You, we lift up Your name. You are the King of kings, and I pray that You will help me, and I pray that You will help us to extol Your name forever to bless your name every day to praise you by speaking to you directly to praise you by declaring your goodness to our children and our families and our co-workers and the people we meet on the street and the nations and around the world i praise that you will encapture and enrapture our hearts with your character and that we will see very clearly the works of your hands And that above all things, we will be known as people who are in love with God. And people know it because we talk about you all the time. Because we're grateful to you all the time. Because it becomes the defining characteristic and undergirding characteristic of every aspect of our life. Father, we praise you. And we exalt you. In your name I pray. Amen. Let's stand together, please.